Thank you, Dan, for sharing with us uh, tonight. I also want to mention that we have Miguel and Andrew here from Bolivia. And uh, they are um, doing missions there in Bolivia and running some, I understand, some orphan homes uh, for boys there. They're sitting over with Paul Robinson and Arnold Marianne Hicks, so you might want to go meet them and hear some of their story tonight, too. And as uh, one of the pastoral team, I want to thank you folks. Uh, It truly is an honor to serve in this church. Uh, They call me the seniors pastor, not the senior pastor. (laughs) I don't know if it's because of my hairdo or whether it's because uh, we've been here the longest of all the pastors, but you truly are a special people. We love this church and we love serving here. Let's pray together. Father, we do bow down before you, and tonight as we open your word, uh, Lord, we need it open to us spiritually. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing unto you, our Lord, our God, our Redeemer. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray, amen. If you would turn, please, to the passage that uh, we looked at this morning, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. And while you're doing that, I'd just like to read uh, to you a little bit of a newsletter I got this week from a place in Toronto called Sanctuary. I don't know if any of you are aware of it, but it's a place in downtown Toronto that works a lot with street people and a a mission there in downtown Toronto. And this uh, little... Uh, excerpt is written by a lady by the name of Aileen Fisher. Looks like she'd be about my age, which I will not get specific. But here's what Aileen has to say about ministry there at Sanctuary. For over 15 years, I've worked in the kitchen with a great group of folks. Some of our volunteers rely on the services that Sanctuary provides Whilst others, like myself, having heard about what a great place sanctuary is, have chosen to get involved. Who says chopping up vegetables for a salad or tackling a sink full of dirty dishes can't be fun as we share many a laugh? Working together, preparing tasty meals, we feel comfortable sharing stories with each other as we discuss every topic under the sun. For instance, the other day, when the guys thought I was too quiet, they started telling me jokes to cheer me up. Whether in the kitchen or out in the drop-in, here we care about each other. Folks like myself start volunteering here for a variety of reasons, but we keep coming back because it is such a rich, in spirit, vibrant community where everyone is made to feel welcome. My husband, Mike, calls it my second home. I was, uh, when I read that, I was intrigued thinking that so often we think in serving, it's about what the other person is going to get. But here's a very clear testimony. No, this person, Aileen Fisher, is talking about how much the serving means to her. Galatians 5, 13 to 15, as we heard this morning, refers to service in a very clear way. Let me read this for you. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. 
The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Serve one another in love. Uh, Verse 13, part B there, verse 13. The, the uh, whole aspect of service, uh, we can use that as, in some ways, a way of keeping us on track. We have very busy lives, I know, and oftentimes when we get that idle time, we think, oh, what am I going to do with my extra time that I've got? I've seen it, too, when I work with people who have lost a loved one, and they may have been caring for that loved one for great deals of time, right up until their passing, and then when their passing happens... What do they do with all of this time? And serving can keep us on track. But as we heard this morning, it goes a lot deeper than just keeping us on track, which is a good thing. But it also, it says here, to serve in love. Serve in love. It goes deeper because it's about loving of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's an act of worship unto him. But the one thing that I notice when I read this it's, it seems that there's a struggle here. It says, Do not use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature. Rather, serve one another. There's a struggle with that sinful nature that we have. Verse 16, So I say, Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Living by the Spirit. And that sinful nature keeps rearing its ugly head on us. This is uh, mentioned several times in Scripture, and I'm just going to read some for you. Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 40 to 42. says, Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say, We have sinned and rebelled, and you have not forgotten. In... uh, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. By the way, just so you know, it doesn't end there. The, the uh, writer of Lamentation goes on about the forgiveness of God and how it does come. I dropped it out of bad spot there, but um, just to, to say the cry is that we have turned away from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. That's, this is written to a, a church body of believers. Examine yourselves. See if you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul uses that word struggle here, that struggle that we we face all the time. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. 
Read that again. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But the sin that so easily entangles the writer of the Hebrews has here. And then um, a, a longer passage from Romans chapter 7. Paul talks about his struggle. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Our sin nature keeps coming back, keeps coming back to us. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to next Sunday. Going to get some answers next Sunday morning, aren't we? About living in the Spirit and how this struggle that we have, how we live in the Spirit and put that sinful nature behind us. I'd like to uh, give you a little personal story um, that, uh, of my own life, but before I do, Thinking about this sinful nature and how it shows itself in our lives, sometimes it's not so obvious. There was a fellow by the name of Charles Steinmetz who worked for General Electric many, many years ago. He was an engineer there. And uh, he uh, had retired, but uh, one day the company was having real trouble with the the production line, and they, they had a real glitch, and they couldn't get it fixed. And all of their staff that were currently working came in to examine, and they couldn't see it. They couldn't find out what was going wrong. So they said, well, let's call George in, retired guy. So he comes in, circles the production facility just a few times, and then goes to one of the machines and points at what uh, he thought was wrong. They took the machine apart, they saw what was happening there, fixed it, put it back together, and everything was fine. George gave them a bill for $10,000. Not bad, just for a little bit of work. They thought that was a little high. So they went to George, and they said, "Uh, George, could you please break down that $10,000 for us? He says, sure. One dollar for was making a mark on the machine, a cross on the machine. And $9,999 was for knowing where to put that mark. Sometimes when it comes to our own lives and that sin that so easily entangles us, we don't know where to put the mark in our lives. Either Satan has blinded us or we're just not sure what's going on 
I know if you're anything like me, uh, you can look at the list that is in Scripture. There's one in Galatians chapter 5, which I'm sure we'll come to um, in, in, in due time um, in our Sunday morning messages. But I looked down that list, and I was trying to think uh, not long ago, what, what really is it that entangles me? Is it some sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft? On and down that list, I went... Lord, I don't see that in my life. What's going on? There's got to be something because Scripture is teaching very clearly that there's something in my life that so easily entangles and keeps me away from him. Well, this was, um, in, in being on staff here, we get busy days and we oftentimes dealing with people, we can fill our, our days with filling a lot of uh, activities, a lot of things going on. To use some words that we heard this morning, at times we can let our spiritual tank run on empty, or I can fill myself with activity and action, or I can try to fix my flesh with religious ceremonies and personal effort. And I found that I was really busy here at church and then going home at night and either flipping on the golf channel I love golf but I could flip that on and sit and watch it for hours some people say what's the matter with you doing that or I could go onto the computer and look at travel websites thinking and dreaming about where I could travel or I could do a combination of both And as I started to look at myself, I realized it was a lot about me. I thought about my past and my upbringing. I was raised in the Salvation Army. And I really appreciated that foundation, getting the the basic principles of the gospel in my life. But I also realized that it had an impact on me about service. This lady who serves here, down at sanctuary. Many of us who get involved in service, sometimes we can look on our service as earning some kind of favor with God. And the grace of God, and all that that entails, the magnificent grace of God, we don't really get a full grasp of it. And I saw that that's what's happened in my life. I was self-reliant. I was very selfish in my Uh, attitudes and actions and as you know that leads to pride that list that's in Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 it has in there that list selfish ambition that is the sign of a sinful nature I was faced with that and I know a lot of other people faced with that too John Ortberg in this uh, book The Life You've Always Wanted He struggled with this as well. Um, I'm reading just a little portion of this book. Some time ago, I I had a run of too much travel, too many meetings and too many talks, and I was fatigued. I had a standing commitment to a friend who was also involved in church work, and weekly we would talk about ministry and spiritual life. I was complaining to him about my schedule, looking for some sympathy when he surprised me by asking why I chose to live like this. I was not used to thinking about my schedule as a choice. It was more tempting to think of my level of busyness simply as a given. 
Why do you choose to be so busy? He persisted, which made me uncomfortable because then I had to think about it. The only honest answer was that, more than anything else, I was running on grandiosity. I was afraid that if I declined opportunities, they would stop coming. And if opportunities stopped coming, I would be less important. And if I were less important, that would be terrible. Obviously, then I could cover my schedule over with a veneer of spirituality. I could try to convince myself that it was all about service. But it was grandiosity all the same. I didn't want to have to admit I have severe limitations. I didn't want to acknowledge my need for things like rest. I didn't want to admit I wasn't Superman. And I could say amen to that. I could fully relate to what he was talking about. I was relying on myself. So, what do I do about it? What do you do about this when you're faced? Well, let me read to you a verse, a couple of verses that I think uh, apply very clearly. I went to the Lord, first and foremost. First John, chapter 1. Verses 8 and 9 applied so clearly to me. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's pretty sobering, isn't it? If we claim to be without sin... We're being deceived. And we know who the great deceiver is. He is deceiving us. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. However, we're not left there. Praise the Lord for verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. First thing I had to do was come before the Lord and confess this sin of self-reliance and pride to him. And I praise God that he certainly understands and uh, hears our prayers and does offer this forgiveness. But then there was something else I felt I needed to do, something to go a bit further. And that had to do with the community, the the other believers, that um, I felt that God would have me go a step further with this. You know, in terms of community, the the one another's in Scripture are very extensive. There's 59 of them, uh, apparently. I didn't get out in County Tuam, but I've got a list right here of 59. Uh, They include, as we know, loving one another, I mentioned this morning. Also, accepting one another, that's Romans 15, 7. Encouraging one another, building each other up from 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds, Hebrews 10, 24. Bearing with each other and forgiving whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgiving one another, that's Colossians 3:13. But one that's struck me at this time and has really um, had a deep, deep impression on me was James chapter 5, verse 16. And uh, just so that we don't Uh, just see that one verse. I'd like to read a few verses prior to it. James chapter 5. James chapter 5, starting at verse 13. But we'll focus on verse 16. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? 
Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. And then verse 16, therefore. And you always, when you see therefore, what is it therefore? I believe it has to do with the, the, the verses that we read previously. Emphasizes prayer. It's all about prayer, all about prayer. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Verse 16 sort of hit me between the eyes. Confessing my sins to one another and then praying for one another. The benefits of this are again outlined in this same um, writing that I mentioned to you earlier. Let me uh, just share some of this with you. Confession is not primarily something God has us do because he needs it. God is not clutching tightly to his mercy as if we have to pry it from his fingers like a child's last cookie. We need to confess in order to heal and be changed. When we practice confession well, two things happen. The first is that we are liberated from guilt. It's strange how when we have some brother and sister come alongside us and we get to share something that's really deep within us, it's almost like a load has been lifted because we're no longer carrying that alone. And that's what we're talking about. There's liberation here. The second is that we will be at least a little less likely to sin in the same way in the future than if we had not confessed. Sin will look and feel less attractive. And part of that, too, is the accountability that comes. We're liberated from guilt, and sin becomes less attractive. So, looking at James 5.16, there's an injunction for us. In serving one another, how can we do this? We can confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. Practically speaking, how do we do this? And here's just a few suggestions, and I think it comes out of this verse. First of all, confess your sins to each other. When we are confessing to one another, we want someone of our gender who's willing to take it seriously. They will not slough off the sin that's in our lives and try to explain it away and rationalize it and say, it's okay, don't feel bad about that. Or No, no. They will see that as sin because you see it as sin. And that individual will stand with you in that way. The second is pray for one another. It says right here in the verse, pray for each other. You're going to confess to someone who you know is going to pray for you. That's critical. Very, very critical. This whole passage here from James is about prayer. But if the person is not going to pray for you, then there's, there's evidence here that you probably shouldn't use them as someone that you would confess to. Prayer, prayer, prayer has to be the priority. And then the, set, the last thing is, in that verse, it says, so that you may be healed. That person is concerned about your healing. 
They're not hearing about the news or anything. That's why they want to share that with you, is so that you might be healed. Many of us uh, know the name Charles Stanley. Um, And I know some of you folks have shared to me how much his ministry means to you. Uh, He just, in the month of September, celebrated his 80th birthday. And uh, he uh, has, of course, the In Touch broadcast, which is on television and radio. I understand it's over uh, 1,800 stations and in 50 different languages. He's also authored over 50 books. Well, a month ago, on his broadcast, he shared a, a beautiful illustration of this verse in action. He talked about his childhood. Uh, if you know anything about him, Charles Stanley uh, had his father die when he was seven months old. And so he was raised by his mother, and I believe there was a strong influence of his grandparents as well. Well, when he was 12 years of age, he committed his life to Christ, and then when he was 14, he uh, made a decision to commit himself to ministry, full-time Christian ministry. And he was serving ministry, served in a church, and uh, he was asked to speak at different churches, and, and he was really becoming quite well-known in ministry. And he was asked to speak at a church leaders and pastors conference in Colorado. And even though he was feeling a little... Um, Disjointed, put it that way, from the Lord at that time, he thought, well, yes, I'll accept that invitation. And he went, and the message went well, and he had a time afterwards where they, there was a question and answer. It just went on and on. And the, the session was a lot longer than what it was supposed to be. He went back to his hotel room that night, and you'd think he would have been all pumped up, you know, thinking, man, that was great. But he said, I was flat. I just could not get the full connection with the Lord that I really knew that I needed. Well, he struggled with that all night. And finally in the morning, he decided, I need to get some assistance here. So he called three of his very close friends who he knew prayed for him and were constantly in touch with them. And he asked these three friends who are right across the country if they would come and see him, and he might share, and if he could find out what what was the missing link here, what was causing his struggle this time. And so they came, these three men. They prayed together. They started with prayer. And then Charles Stanley just poured out his life. For hours, he talked about all that he had gone through. And then finally he finished. It was late at night, and there was silence. And one of the men in that group said to him, Charles, put your head on the table. And he did. And he said, Charles, imagine yourself to be seven months old. That was when his father died. And you're being held by your father. What do you feel? And in that instant, all of this emotion poured out of him. And he shared on that broadcast how it went on for all kinds of time, that emotion of missing the Father's love. And then he realized that because he missed that Father's love, he could not really fully understand and accept 
and grasp the love of his heavenly Father. And that's what was missing in his life. He confessed that to the Lord. He confessed that with his brothers there. And they prayed for him. And he said that was a turning point in his ministry. Folks, that's an exciting story. Even though it's a hard thing to go through, that's the experience that God wants us to have. As uh, we close tonight, I just want to uh, ask us all, maybe that uh, we could just do a little bit of reflection. I know that we've all got a story here in this room. We've all got some, something we've been through, and maybe we're still going through it. Those struggles in our lives. But the opportunity here is to serve one another by confessing our sins to one another and praying for one another. So I'm going to ask if you just bow your heads for a moment, and I'm going to ask a a few questions, and I'll just let you just reflect on it. I'll ask them one at a time, and you can reflect on these questions. We talked tonight about that sinful nature. What part of that sinful nature do you struggle with most? What part of the sinful nature do you struggle with most? Next, have you confessed that to God? He knows. He knows all about it. Have you confessed it to him? Is there someone you could share this with, knowing that their part is to pray with and for you and support you in your healing? Is there someone you could share this with? If not, there may be an opportunity for you to pray to God to provide that person that he knows you need. And the last question for us to reflect on, what's the next step that needs to be taken? like to finish with 1 John 1 verse 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness praise God that he will do that for us Father we thank you for the opportunity to open up your word and Lord this has been a time when uh, 
we've kind of reflected on some things in our lives that we know, Lord, we're prone to wander, as the hymn says, Lord, I feel it. And yet we also sing, Lord, you are our Messiah, you are our God. Lord, this struggle goes on. So for each of us, Lord, each of us here in this room tonight, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit will invade and penetrate each one of us so we will experience your indwelling presence tonight and for the rest of this week and the days ahead, Lord, so that we won't live by the sinful nature, but live by the power of your Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you go with us this week. You never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, it's just so neat knowing that promise that you love us far, far beyond we can ever know or imagine. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.